we are given the season of Easter as a great gift. And so something is, is um, yeah, God wants to give us something through this time, this time of, of Easter. Sometimes we think about, you know, Lent, we approach Lent with a sense of like, what am I doing for Lent? What, am I, what do I want to get out of Lent? What am I, what am I going to do? We have this really robust sense of like, um, yeah, the season of Lent and our participation in it. And then we get to Easter and it's like, hey, it's Easter, you know. And I don't, I don't know that even myself that I have this same intentionality of like, what do I want to get out of Easter? What am I doing for Easter? What is it that God wants to give me during Easter? Each of these seasons are literally a gift of God to you and to me. And there's a particular grace that God wants to give you this year through the season of, 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 of Easter. So there's something about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his victory over death, that is to be a blessing for us and lead us into something new during this season. So I think we just want to have hearts that are like, yeah, I want something here. Like I wanted something out of Lent and your Lent may have gone better or worse, you know? Uh, and now it's like, yeah, let's, let's want something out of Easter. God is always desiring to give things. It is said, a beloved never desires of, or never tires of creating new gifts for the beloved. It means like God always has something new for us. So yeah, what do we want during the season of Easter? There is, I think, yeah, e- Easter is a season of noonish, of fresh encouragement, of hope, and it's a season of joy. So there's something about what God has done that brings joy. And it says like, oh, this, this changes things, right? I think if, if we are unmoved and nothing changes by the fact that Jesus died and rose from the dead, then we're kind of missing out. We're a little bit on autopilot. The apostles, for the apostles, something changed, right? It wasn't like, all right, they were doing, you know, just life with Jesus and then he died and rose from the dead. And then he's like, all right, back to normal. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like there was explosions of newness, of transformation, of joy, like stuff happened. Uh, the, the message of Jesus during Jesus' lifetime had spread not very far, right? It spread up north to Galilee where he we visited and it went down to Jerusalem, about 60 miles. Something changed though because we're a lot farther than that away from Jerusalem, yeah? Like the gospel went out, a fire was set and it has spread over the whole world. So there's something about the resurrection of Jesus Christ that leads to this explosion. The fullness of the explosion happens at Pentecost. Pentecost, the Holy Spirit shows up. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, you buckle up because stuff's going to change. So Easter is a time where we all prepare for this arrival of the Holy Spirit who wants to do new stuff. We find Peter on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost, I don't know what it means exactly, but it has to do with 50. So it's 50 days after the resurrection. It used to be a feast. It was a feast of the Jews. We celebrate Pentecost still. So this day, this is the day, the first day that the Holy Spirit has really uh, arrived in a new way on the apostles. They've been given the Holy Spirit. These men were in a room afraid and the door was locked minutes before the Holy Spirit showed up. They knew Jesus was alive. They'd encountered him and experienced him, but they were scared. And then the Holy Spirit shows up, which is the fullness of the life and light and love of God. So they receive the love of God in this new profound way. They also receive in some way the grace of the resurrection. There's something about Jesus' new life that's given to them through Pentecost. And then the next thing you know, they all burst out the doors and they're telling everybody they can find about Jesus Christ. A little bit before, they were afraid that the people that killed Jesus were going to kill them. After Pentecost, nobody can hold them back. And they just, they burst out. And they're full of this fire. And their great proclamation is that Jesus Christ was a prophet. He came from God. He, is, he has been killed and died for our sins. 
and somehow death could not hold him. It was not powerful enough. And he's been raised from the dead by his father, and now he is Lord and God. He was always Lord and God, but now that's been manifest. Jesus Christ is Lord. And not just like in Israel or of a place, no, of everything. Jesus Christ is Lord of the universe. That's the proclamation. He is more powerful than death itself. So the gospel is this fire, this proclamation. And now everybody that hears the gospel has to make a choice. It's like, will you allow your life to be changed by the gospel or not? That's the choice. And you have that same choice. A lot of you have made that choice and you're entering into it. But I think maybe this Easter it's like, all right, let's make this choice again. Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, changes everything. Because what? Because now he is Lord. He's Lord of the universe, but the last question is, is he Lord of you? Is he the Lord of your life? He's saved you from sin. He's done all the work. He died for you. He's been raised from the dead. But now, like, are we going to let him be, are we going to let him be Lord? Like, the Lord of our lives. There's just great news, too, like, Peter proclaiming the gospel to these people. He's like, yeah, you put him to death. Like, you, 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 put, you guys put him to death. But now what's going to happen is that you're going to be baptized into his life. Like, even though you're guilty of his death, he wants you to, to enter into his life in, like, deep communion with him. That's the mercy of God. We are guilty in some ways of, of Jesus' death. Amen? A catechism says, who is the author of Jesus' death? The answer is sinners. And so that's us. In some ways, we put Jesus to death by our sins. That's, that's why he died, because we have sinned. And in payment, what does he want for what he's done for you? He just wants you. Like, he wants to just love you. So, Jesus died for you. We can't wash our hands of this whole thing and be like, I just don't want, I just don't want to be involved. No, 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 no. No, Jesus has died for you. And it says in the second reading that you have been, you have been ransomed. What does it mean to be ransomed? That means to be bought back. So you've been bought back out of the clutches of sin and death. And now you don't belong to you anymore. No, you belong to him. You belong to God. St. Peter says, realize that you, you are ransomed from your feudal conduct. What's feudal conduct? It's just kind of like it leads to nowhere. It's just whatever. Yeah, you've been ransomed away from that. And not with any perishable thing like silver and gold. It's funny, he just mentioned silver and gold. Like that stuff's just going away. That was the most precious thing around. There was nothing more valuable than silver and gold. It's like, yeah, God didn't buy you with silver or gold. I mean, he would have, I mean, gladly. But what's the price that God paid for you? This is just a crazy idea. How, how valuable are you to God? Like, if, if God asked of any one of you, what, what price would you pay? The price that he paid was the blood of his son, the life of his son. You are worth everything to him. But now you're not yours. You're his. Good news is he just loves you, so that doesn't have to feel scary. But the proclamation is Jesus died for your sins, he's raised from the dead, he is Lord of heaven and earth, and now you belong to him, and now he's the Lord of your life. Let's ask the question, day to day, who is in charge of your life? If you're like me, and it's embarrassing to say this, most of the time, who do I think is in charge of my life? Laura, the secretary. No, me, right? No, that's a total joke. She's also she's in no way bossy. I shouldn't have said that. That's, that's just mean. No, like, honestly, and it's embarrassing, most of the time I think I'm in charge. So the proclamation of the sad gospel of Father Scott is, Father Scott is Lord of what? The rectory and his Jeep. Like, it's kind of a sad kingdom. But he's the Lord, and he does what he wants. 
No, so the call of, of Easter, the call of this proclamation of the gospel is like, oh, I'm not in charge anymore of anything. Not of the rectory, not of my Jeep, not of my life. Like, I'm not in charge of anything anymore because Jesus is. And frankly, there's something about that that's exciting. Like, do you want something new to happen? Do you want life to show up when there was only death? Do you want freedom and joy? Because if so, you can't be Lord anymore. Because you and I, our lordship is futile. It just doesn't work. It doesn't lead to what we want. So now Jesus shows up, and he wants to be Lord. But he's nothing but kind and nothing but merciful. He wants to bring life. Okay, so let that be a real question. Do you want Jesus to be the actual Lord of your actual life, to take control? That's the question of Easter. If so, gosh, you buckle up, because only good things are coming. Let's just look a little bit at this, this gospel reading. Okay, it's awesome. One, something very comforting about, as Jesus appears to people after Easter, um, nobody just bumps into him. What I mean is, oh, Jesus is coming to find people. Like, he finds them. He comes to them. So that doesn't change. Jesus is coming for you. A lot of you have met him and you know him. Some of you feel like you haven't. That's okay, he's coming. We want to be open and desirous of that, but like Jesus is going to come find you. He has not forgotten about you. Like he knows you. So these two people, as far as they know, Jesus is just dead, 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 dead. And they're super sad because they hope they, they just put all their hope in him. And so they're walking and they're downcast. And there is like this playfulness of Jesus. He just kind of shows up and he's like, hey, what's, what's up? What are you guys talking about? <laughs> and they're like, you kidding me? Like, what's everybody talking about? Like, Jesus, and he, what happened? And Gosh, we thought, like, he was a guy. They just feel the sadness of their hearts. Like, we were sure. Like, we hoped, but yeah, he's dead. But now stuff's happening, and some people say that like, he's not in his tomb anymore, and that they've seen angels. So we don't know what's going on. And Jesus is like, gosh, you guys are dummies. <laughs> There's this playfulness. He's like, you're so slow to believe. And then he starts, like, unveiling to them the meaning of all of history the meaning of everything. He's showing them how everything's building up and building towards Jesus. And even in your life, like he wants to show you like, oh yeah, it all has meaning and it's all leading towards me. Like I want to take all things into my own story. He tells them the story. We hear later that as Jesus was talking, gosh, their hearts were just on fire. Like something was just exciting in them. There was this newness. There was this hope. And then they're getting to their house or the place that they're staying and Jesus acts like he's going to keep walking. It's just all funny. Like, Jesus is totally in control of all this. He's orchestrating all this and letting it unfold. Like, they're not figuring anything out. No, Jesus is bringing all of it to them. He acts like he's going to keep going. Like, hey, see ya. And then, like, come why don't you just come stay with us? We don't know what's going on there. Maybe there's just something about him. They don't know it's Jesus yet, but they're like, I just want to be close to this. Whatever this man is, like, I want to be here with him. So they bring him in. Um, and then what happens? While he was at table, he took the bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them. There's four verbs there. Took, blessed, broke, and gave. They've all experienced these four verbs before. You hear these four verbs in this order at every single Mass. Because these are the words of consecration. At the Last Supper, Jesus is with his apostles, and he took bread, he said the blessing, he broke it, and he gave it to them. And what did he say? He said, take this, all of you, and eat of it, 
For this is my body, which will be given up for you. The apostles don't realize it, but what they're experiencing in some ways is the first Mass. The Mass is the, the, the remembering and the making present of the Last Supper, right? There's two main parts of Mass. We're still in the first part. You're like, Father, we'd be in the second part if you didn't talk so much. Yeah, you're right. But we're in the first part. What's the first part? It's the liturgy of the Word. When we read about the prophets, we read about the elders of our faith, and the scriptures are open to us, hopefully. And every once in a while, your heart burns a little bit, yeah? Hopefully. And then we shift, and we approach an altar, sometimes called a table. And now we're not just encountering information, we're encountering a person who wants to give himself to us. So Jesus takes the bread, he blesses it, he breaks it, and gives it to them, and then their eyes are open, and they realize this is Jesus. And then he vanishes. But there's a way in which he's still there because he has given them his body and his blood. There's a way in which at each Mass, our eyes are to be open and realize like, oh, this is Jesus. He's here. He's come to be with me. Every Mass is an encounter with the risen Christ, with Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Do you know that? When you receive the Eucharist, you receive Jesus Christ risen from the dead. We don't have like different Eucharists for different seasons. Like Lent is just like hurting Jesus and Christmas is like baby Jesus. Like, no, you only receive one Jesus and that is Jesus Christ, Lord of the universe and the lover of your life who has ransomed you. He has purchased you for himself. He comes to find us. He's coming after us and he only wants to give life because he wants to give himself and he holds the key to everything, to your happiness, to your joy, to the deep desires of your heart. He wants to give all of it to you. So we're just faced with this exciting question of like, okay, are you in? Do you want to be all in? Like to give him your life, to let him be Lord, to let him to take over, to lead you into greater glory and beauty into the arms of his Father. Like, do you want to be all in? Gosh, I hope so, right? And pray for me too, because I want to be all in. And some days I'm not. But I want that more. Like, yes. Jesus is just so beautiful and good. Like, Jesus, I want, I want to be yours. That you who have conquered death for me and saved me and purchased me for yourself, like, okay, yeah. I want to just totally surrender my life to you, to your love. Because it just leads to victory. It leads to the right hand of the Father. It leads to glory in heaven. It leads to everything. I'd like you to pray. You can pray about whatever you want. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, there's a desire that like God would enkindle in each of your hearts and in my heart this confidence of like Jesus is coming for you. He's victorious. He's risen from the dead and he's coming. He's going to find you. He's already present, but like he wants to find you in new ways. He's, he's coming for you. Jesus is coming.